tipped in the air and knocked away. KU's got to win it. Blah, big time two-hand slam by Hunter Dickinson. Kansas is the 2023 WNIT champions. This is the Jayhawker Podcast, presented by the University of Kansas Health System. Welcome to another edition of the Jayhawker Podcast, brought to you by three great sponsors, Xfinity, Kansas Health System, and Black and Beach. I'm Greg Gurley, along with Wayne Simeon, Kansas legend, and co-worker Leavenworth, All-American. What else are you, bud? That, that'll do. <laughs> All good guy, great smile. What do you got? Well, we got a nice little conference run we're on. Nice little win in Stillwater, uh, which is a difficult place to get a win in. Uh, and we just went right down there. Let's get right to it. We went right, right down there and hit him in the mouth. And uh, well, you know what our all-time record is in Stillwater? It might be a losing record down there. Close. It's now 38 and 36. Hmm. And Wayne texted me during the game, probably halfway through. And uh, I, before you texted me, I was thinking the same thing. Because I have obviously played there. You've played there one of the most difficult buildings to play in, in the country. In the country, in not just the league, the country. Correct. And in my opinion, even harder back in the old Gallagher Ivo, which you, did you ever go to the old one? No. So the, it's, I say old, it's the same footprint, but it used to seat 6,000. It would go to like row 20. Now it goes to row 40. What they did was, they basically cut the roof off, built a big bubble around it, and added an upper level without losing a season. Uh, it was kind of a innovative construction project, I guess. I was thinking that was going to be on a, a show I enjoy, Impossible Engineering, but it uh, it wasn't. But regardless, when it was 6,000, you would assume when it's 13,000, it's louder. But no, when it was 6,000, because I've been there when the 13,000 sold out, it ain't like what it used to be. But our whole point in all of this is tough place to go. Kind of our first blowout against a good team or a league team. And it was never a game. I mean, we started out on a 6-0 run, which was the opposite of the way we started out in Orlando, down 7-0 like that. Bill called it timeout with like 18.50 on the clock in Orlando. And it was vice versa in uh, Stillwater. And they – they're just a young team trying to find themselves, don't really know what they're doing. And they're going to be good. they got talent all around. Mike Boyden's a great recruiter and a great coach just right now. They don't really know how to win. They caught us on a night that we were clicking. You know, every pass led to a bucket. We were getting dunks and layups. For some reason, and I want you to explain this to me, what would you do if you are playing against Hunter Dickinson and they just throw the ball to him in the left block, and he scores like three times in a row. Like, what would you do as a coach? Well, uh, first of all, you know I love that whole dynamic whenever we get the bigs activated. Um, and I really think that Johnny Furphy was the key to a lot of what happened that first half. Um, just his – this is even before the dunks. His will to – Sprint the floor in transition and allow Kevin McCullough and Dewan Harris to hit him with the long pitch aheads is an important skill and it's it's underlooked. 
Ochai Baji was elite in running the floor without the basketball. It's actually one of the skills that helped him to get that red shirt pulled off him when uh, when we needed to to have uh, a, a new burst of energy uh, during his freshman campaign. By no means am I comparing Johnny Furphy to uh, Ochai Baji right now, but I'm saying just why not? Emphasis and being able to do that because they're different athletes. But his ability in doing that really allowed him to get easy baskets early. And then it built his confidence to knock down those early threes in the first half. And then what happened after that? It seemed like the Red Sea parted up and there was so much space out there for Hunter Dickinson to work for KJ Adams to use three and four dribbles to find a driving lane. So I don't think those happen. You, your question started with Hunter Dickinson throwing the ball in the paint back-to-back -back scores. That doesn't happen without the space that's created by Johnny Furphy because of the way he ran the floor, got the easy baskets, built confidence, and then was able to knock down those threes. And, and I think that's something that was really transformational for the Jayhawks in that win in Stillwater. And what I was getting at, and you know this, it's why don't teams double team? I don't understand because we haven't shot the ball great from the outside. I wouldn't let Hunter just go to work on one guy because Hunter's 80% of the time going to score on that left block because he's very skilled and he's got a nice little, nice little left-handed baby hook. And the last couple of games, he's shown the ability to kind of go over the other shoulder yeah. and shoot it with his right hand. And he's just a – He's just a guy that knows how to operate in the paint. And when he's able to step out and hit that mid-ranger and an occasional three, he gets the ball out top and guys are cutting off him. And he's either handing it off or, you know, if the big guy goes with the guy that might have an advantage, he can step out and make you pay with the, the mid-ranger. So things are really starting to click. I think the rest of the world and the rest of the conference is probably sick of us. They're probably sick of us complaining that our fifth guy isn't a star. Like that's been the whole narrative <laughs> of Kansas fans, right? Wow, God, we got we got four guys that are great, but we just don't have that fifth guy. And other schools are like, enough with your complaining Jayhawk fans. We'd love to have four guys. We'd love to have three guys. But Johnny Furphy has come to that forefront. Bill made the decision after the loss in Orlando to, to mix things up. Media people get way more uh, engaged in the starting five. Like whenever I walk into that media room before a game, I get hit, you know, Gary Bedore and Tate, and everybody's like, hey, who are the starters? Who are the starters? I'm like, why are you guys so concerned about who starts? True basketball people understand it only matters who finishes and who plays the most minutes. Hell, you could have started me over all those years and we would probably have the same outcome. I would have played probably six minutes, but I would have started a lot. It doesn't matter. It matters who plays the most minutes. It matters who impacts the game. It matters with El Marco. I think it's been a nice change. I don't know if he really realizes it yet, but I've seen something different out of him coming off the bench. I, I like, you know, he, you know, he's got to get into the mode where he's not going to get as much time. So he's got to make it count and make smart plays. And I, I think he's accepted it. I'm sure he's pissed. I, I won't blame him. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't like it if he wasn't pissed, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and I don't know if uh, 
if I'd use the word pissed, probably disappointed uh, because it all falls on him. I mean, he had the opportunity, you know, getting, you know, 10, 11 starts uh, up until this point, wasn't producing it. Okay, well, uh, as the public knows, my language compared to Wayne, <laughs> he wouldn't have used the word pissed. He would have said disappointed or frustrated. Yeah. That's why he is the professional. Well, well, when I hear that word, you know, pissed, you're pissed at somebody else. You know, you're pissed at coach because he's messing you over. And I, I, don't, I don't think that that, uh, that he has, uh, you know, that argument to play. You know, be disappointed in yourself that you had an opportunity. Uh, and the numbers are a lot. And did, yeah, numbers, yeah, yeah, for, yeah, for sure. And what's, old coaches always say what? Hey, the big eye in the sky don't lie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plenty of film, stacked. body of work, yeah. It's, um, we're 15 games in, or what are we, 17 games in. There's there's enough. Yeah, yeah. And I want to circle back to, to some of your thoughts about, about Hunter being double-teamed. Why don't you do that? You know, I think we've seen teams attempt to double Hunter at times throughout the season, both in the non-con and in the conference season, and it just hasn't worked. Uh, and, and a couple reasons why it doesn't work. Number one, Hunter doesn't traditionally catch the ball – right on the post. It's kind of a pet peeve of mine. He allows himself to get pushed off the block and catch the ball, you know, maybe at nine feet. Now, the, the caveat behind that is, is he skilled enough to be able to do that, right? Because he's got the touch and he's got the range. He doesn't necessarily have to work to get as close to the basket as he needs to. So when you catch the ball at nine feet or at 12 feet, it's pretty difficult to try to, to double uh, at that range as opposed to when you're on the block. All right? the, the double has to come and cover a little bit more ground. And then secondly, the dude is a giant and is an elite passer. He can look up over the top of any double team coming, high hands included. Uh, you can bring a 6'9 guy at him with high hands, and he's so big that he can actually look over the double team, and we've seen it in part uh, sometime throughout the year. He's able to pick you apart with hard cutters like Kevin McCullough or Juan or KJ coming from the opposite side. So in a lot of ways, it's pick your poison. It's like, hey, do we force Hunter to try to score over the top or do we allow him to face up for the jump shot or pick us apart with the pass? And you know what? I don't blame teams for forcing him to finish over the top because he hasn't quite done it at this clip through the full duration of this season as we've known it. But I'll tell you what, man, he sure did it well on Tuesday night in Stillwater. You know, I, I love what you said there because I use that term a lot, pick your poison. We're a pick your poison type of offense on teams playing us. Like defensively, they got to make a decision. And I I wish they would double team more because of exactly what you said. That Hunter's an elite passer. If not for DeWan, he's our best passer. You know, it, but he's right there. That's why if you zone us, and we learned a lot from that Central Florida game that we didn't handle very well. But moving forward, when we do get zoned, there's not a better guy that we've ever had than playing in the middle than Hunter Dickinson. Because Hunter, he's a security blanket. You can always get it to him in the middle. Everybody comes to him. He either, and if they don't, he can hit that mid-ranger. He's a great passer. And he's just big. And, and it's easy. That's how you break down a zone, either through dribble or through pass. So, uh I didn't like the fact that we didn't attack their zone very well against Central Florida. That was the difference in the game. But we now have film of it. We're going to be better when the next team does it. Uh, so the, the arrow is definitely pointing up. We're in a stretch of games that, that we should win. And I would 
I would say that we, we've already, we had our bogey, right? That was in Orlando. Now, that turned out to be a better looking loss after seeing what they did earlier this week, going into Austin, Texas and beating a really talented Texas team. And that's, they took their show on the road and it worked. Uh, Texas is obviously going through some stuff right now. And uh, their coach isn't happy about how that game ended. I don't know if you saw, did you see that? Uh, Rodney Terry, he was not happy with some of the antics of the Knights in the handshake line. And I'm kind of, I don't know. I mean, I get your opinion on it. I, I hate handshake lines. You know how I feel about that. Get, get rid of handshake lines uh, altogether. Uh, NBA has got it right. That people up, show love pregame. Uh, once the game's over with, do like the NBA, wave, pay your respects, walk to your bench or walk to your locker room. Just, just call it good. I, I'm not convinced, side, side tangent, that the best display of sportsmanship is walking, is being forced to walk through a line when emotions are at their highest, when your competitive juices are at your highest, and, and, and say good game to the other. I, I'm just not quite convinced of that. I know that traditional people want to keep that around and, 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 and hold it with high regard. Maybe it's because of my short cup of coffee in the NBA. I could see that we could do without it. But uh, I'm not. I'm not a big, big fan. Well, the one word you said in there, which I agree with, anytime you force somebody to do something, it doesn't always work out. Ninety percent of the time, it's probably going to be fine. But that ten percent or that one percent, like last night, it didn't work out. And and whenever you say you have to do something, that's when you got problems. You scroll, tap, swipe text, call, and do a lot more on your phone. None of us can fathom life without all the world's knowledge in our pocket. We use phones for just about everything, but when it comes to doing the bigger things, like streaming, gaming, and working, you shouldn't be limited to just your phone screen or mobile plan. You see, millions of Americans don't have home internet. They're forced to do everything on their phone or through their mobile service via a hotspot, or they go to public spaces and use unsecure Wi-Fi which can be problematic when dealing with personal or sensitive information. You deserve reliable home internet to fit your life and your budget. And right now, Internet Essentials Plus from Xfinity is free through the Affordable Connectivity Program. Get unlimited data and equipment included with no annual contract. Go to Xfinity.com free to see if you qualify. Restrictions apply. After program participation ends, Comcast standard charges, taxes, and fees apply. May not be combined with other offers. So... As you look at uh, uh, moving forward, uh, we get the big win against Oklahoma at home. That's a, it was one of the last unbeaten teams in the country. And, and they came in here as a one-point game at half, and we really pulled away in the second half. We've had back-to-back games, kind of an interesting stat, where one guy has 15 in the first half against Oklahoma, doesn't score in the second half. Another guy in Stillwater has 15 in the first half, doesn't score in the second half. Kind of something interesting, but I like the fact that it was K.J. Adams against Oklahoma. It was Furphy against Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. But what I really liked about Furphy was the fact that he, he attempted one shot in the second half. He didn't force things. Like, a lot of times freshmen are like, all right, eyes get big. I had 15. Yeah, I'm you get your career high. high. Not, no, no, you know, don't forget that. It was his career high in the first half, and that's a you know, time where most guys start hunting and think that they want to add to it. But he didn't. He did the little things. I thought things that really spurred us on that first half too was his defense. His you forget his length. Absolutely. He's a, yeah. 
I think he's listed at six nine. He's probably six eight, but that's a long six eight, an athletic six eight, and a smart six eight. Like he he does a really good job positioning defense. He's starting to learn that he's not the best defender, which isn't horrible. I mean, most freshmen aren't, but he's gotten caught a couple of times trying to pressure too much, and guys go right around him. So he's 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 finally starting to figure out that I don't have to be right on him because I'm going to get beat or I'm going to get called for a foul. So he's a quick learner. I've watched him in practice, and I love how quick he picks things up. Um, and we're, we have a star on our hands on a team where he's not going to crack the top three. I mean, Kevin, Hunt, KJ, right? So it's fine. Bill's amazing at getting guys to figure out about sacrifice, giving guys to figure out pie is always big enough, everyone have a slice, all that jazz. He's really, really good at that. And and winning solves a lot of that infighting. Like, I want more shots, right? We might have two All-Americans on the same team. And, and the way KJ's playing, he's not going to be a first-team All-Big 12 guy, but KJ doesn't make one of the first, second, or third teams. I'd be shocked because what he's doing right now, his energy, his work on the glass, he's shooting. I don't have it in front of me, but he's, his field goal percentage is near the top of the league because he dunks everything. <laughs> I mean, it's a great mix. Uh, we, we talked a lot about how we have a very, very thin margin. You know, we got to, everybody's got to stay healthy. We got to be out there, foul trouble, all that. But there's not a better starting four and a half in the country. <laughs> and when's it going to be solidified as a full-blown five? How many more games does does uh, Johnny have to, to compete really well in that? But I love that you brought up his defense because, to me, I thought that was as impressive uh, as his offensive output in the first uh, half because at times he's been a defensive liability. I remember being a stretch in, against the Oklahoma game where and this is what's going to happen like it's just a part of it they are going to hunt the matchup and when they see he and nick timberlake in the game like oklahoma did they're going to attack that matchup they gave up eight points consecutive between the two of them i think johnny burphy got attacked twice against ou subbed out put nick timberlake in they attacked him twice gave up two more baskets right there like it's just going to be a part of it uh but i like how johnny was able to keep guys in front of him uh, and they got really good athletes there in uh, in Oklahoma State uh, to be able to do that. And it really seemed like that was his focus and, and, and disposition that he had there, not continuing to, to, to hunt shots, even though the game uh, w w was well within hand. Um, you yeah. talked to margin Another for error. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you talked talk margin for error. And I think, uh, you know, we certainly know that's the case. One thing that I really was encouraged by from Tuesday's game in Stillwater was when I looked at the plus minus column for Nick Timberlake, El Marco, and, um, and Parker Brown, it was even, right? It was even, if not above, I think maybe Parker had above, uh, was, in the, was in the positive, all right? That's about all we need. Like, as long as those guys come in and aren't like a liability turning over, fouling, you know, not winning their matchup, as long as they stay in the plus column in that plus minus, and it doesn't have to be enormously high, if they can just stay even in that category, that's about what we need them to do with the other five guys that we have. And so 
Um, you know, I know that's not a stat that a lot of people get excited about. And you look in, I was like, well, man, they still didn't score. They still didn't do this or that. Just don't hurt us, right? When you get your three to six minutes of pop, just don't hurt us. And hey, and can we talk about, you know, I didn't hear the call because I was watching on, how about Nick Timberlake turning it over on, on, on Bryce on that, that dunk, that one leg down. I remember I was sit, sitting back on my couch, watching with my boys, had my arms up on the couch, and I stood up, hey, yo, yo, we saw the mixtape. Nick Timberlake had a nice little mixtape coming in when he was a prospect in the portal. And he, he had shown some things to be able to do that athletically. We have not seen it yet, and I love the way that, that he was able to finish that, that play, uh, which was one of the plays of the game. Yeah, we just had a press conference, and Nick came to the, to the press conference, and they asked about the, the top. He was number three on the ESPN top ten, and he talked about how, hey, uh, growing up, you know, you watch it. I mean, basketball players, any, any athlete watches sports center every night. And obviously your dream is, I want to be in the top 10. And he goes, it's probably not going to be from shooting the three. So he goes, I got it. And what's the term we, I've used it, I don't know if you have, that Nick's got sneaky athleticism, which I don't really like that term. He's an athlete. And we saw that uh, uh, right there, you know, out on the break. Bryce went up with him like he was going to get him. And just the opposite happened. He got Bryce. Bryce is on a poster. He's on ESPN for the wrong reasons. And, man, he punched on him hard. And I think got fouled, too. They didn't call it. I was kind of surprised at that. But yeah, I thought it was the, the one for way, sure. The only way that was going in was with the dunk. And so I love that. I, I think that can be a big confidence boost for Nick because in all this discussion about Johnny and El Marco, Nick's going to be an important part of this team moving forward and in the first 15 games because he's – there's going to be nights. I mean, we're, we're in a stretch now that we're, we're getting ready to go to West Virginia. Then 48 hours later, we play Cincinnati. Then we go to Iowa State. Like, we're on a we're on a stretch of a lot of games. I mean, we went through that stretch in December. Where we played, like, one game every eight days. And it just seemed like we didn't have many games. Now it's over. And uh, uh, this is uh, – we're, we're, by the time this comes out, the team will have, to have gone to West Virginia a day early. Uh, kind of like we had to do in Orlando, both weather-related. So I'm going to have an extra night in one of my favorite cities in the country, Morgantown. Did, did you ever – you never played in Morgantown, right? No. No, I never played there, but been there. Great Marriott, great Marriott there. They got a nice little – good little set up there. The bourbon uh, – the hotel lobby bar, I'll be yeah. spending a lot of time there. A bourbon barrel or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, then we go to Oliver. I know I, I, I always equate all my trips with – Hotel bar and restaurant. <laughs> so actually, really good food. And I walk down that whatever river. It's hard to say, Masahagi or something like that. Yeah, it's really pretty in in the middle of January when it's dark and cold and snowy out. But uh, we'll make the best of it. We'll head to Morgantown, some of the nicest people in the world, until the the ball goes up, and then they're brutal. They they don't like visitors. And uh, but then if, after they yell and scream at you, hey, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming to Morgantown. Can't wait to see you next year. And that's a brutal football environment. That's as, as vicious of a, of a fan base uh, from a football perspective. Uh, I remember our first time playing there in Morgantown when I was still hanging out on the sidelines with the football team, man. We lost, I think, maybe three or four scores, and they were still spewing venom on us on our way out the door, which was which was pretty rough. But certainly a, a passionate fan base and very much like Stillwater, it's a difficult place to win. Um, and so we'll certainly have to, to, to be ready and, uh, and not be casual, which is one of the things that I think uh, kind of nipped, uh, you know, got us uh, against UCF in Orlando is we just 
it just seems a little little casual. Uh, even against TCU, like we found a way to win that game, but there wasn't much sense of urgency. There wasn't much, hey, dominance. Hey, you know, we're still the the, the top of the food chain in this league. You got to come through us. We're going to be the ones that hit first instead of wait to be hit. We're not going to feel out the game before we, you know, get into our bag. Um, and so it was nice to see that casualness, um, you know, kind of take a back seat during these last two games. And even against the Oklahoma game, I mean, it felt like we were in a driver's seat the, the entire game. And that was against a top 10 team, you know. Um, and so I thought that was really good. And, and look, I, I, I got to tell you, we've talked about some of the, the, the bench guys. I got to take some time to brag on Parker Brown, all right? Um, this dude is doing everything we need him to do, all right? He's as dependable and reliable uh, off the court as he is on the court. Veteran, enjoys being here, knows exactly what his role is, isn't trying to be more than he is capable of being, isn't trying to go out there and prove with his minutes, hey, coach, I should be playing more. He is serviceable, and he's leading the team in blocks. You can guarantee a couple things. When Parker Brown gets in the game, he's going to get a block. He's going to protect the rim, and he's probably going to get a lob or a putback, right? And so when you think about that type, probably his most productive game is probably four points, two rebounds, and a block. But when you think about that in a four- to six-minute stretch, I mean, that's important. And so – um, you know, I, I, I'm really, really pleased with the contributions that, that, that Parker Brown has been giving us, um, you know, in all, all of those categories. And, and of course, it's underrated, uh, but, but I think it's important, especially from a culture standpoint and a role standpoint. Yeah, everything you said, I love it because Parker has been so valuable. And I don't think our fan base really looked at that signing when he decided to come. It was kind of like, oh, it's Christian's brother. He's a journeyman, didn't play much at Missouri, didn't really follow him at Santa some people, Clara. Some people, hey, honestly, some people probably thought it was a courtesy. Some people probably thought it was a courtesy to CB and a Kansas City family that, hey, he's on his last hurrah, we'll, we'll offer up an olive branch and allow him to kind of, you know, ride the coattails in and helping us be able to get to another conference championship and beyond that. But it's, it's, hey. it wasn't a courtesy. The dude can play, and we're, we're being able to see that. And you know basketball, I know basketball. Coaches don't really do courtesy things for scholarship kids. There might be a walk-on here and there. Bill's trying to win. Coaches are trying to win. And 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 again, I, I think you're 100% on point. A lot of people probably thought that. But Bill saw it, and he listened to Christian. And he listened. I mean, Christian tells him about one of the best point guards in the history of Kansas basketball, right? DeWan Harris isn't here without the Browns. Parker Brown isn't here without Christian, right? But to your point, so valuable. Always makes an impact whenever he goes in. Always has a kind of a half smile. He never really smiles. He, yeah. he never really smiles a lot because he's pretty serious and he's completely different than Christian personality-wise. I mean, he's the most most just quiet, just kind of like, oh, shucks guy. But you wouldn't even know that they're brothers, but man, can he play? And hey, hey this, this, is how, this is how valuable he is. When he checks in the game, and even, even before the conference play started, when he checks in the game, I have an expectation of him. I expect you to get a lob, to get a block, and to get a couple rebounds, and to not let your guy score. We've got some guys, 
you know, that, that, that hit the, the check in and you just don't know what's going to happen. Like you, you yeah. literally don't know, are they going to make a shot? Are they going to turn the ball over or you know, what's going to happen? I have an expectation on Parker when he gets in to make sure his minutes are used effectively. And it usually happens on the defensive category with the block rebound or a lob. And, and, and that's been helpful for us. And it's going to help us win games. And think about part of the reason why he's a fifth year senior. He's been around. He's been in a couple different leagues. He's seen a ton of ball. He knows it. And, and you get these older guys, and all they want to do is what? Win. They look at Remy Martin, and they're like, okay, Remy had a nice career at Arizona State, and he won a national title here. So that's kind of how it works out there now. Guys, you're going to get guys like that with a swan song at the end of their career like, all right, yeah, that, Hunter's a great example. Hunter could have easily gone back to Michigan, been a hero there. Four years, we've been on all the charts, all the points, all the rebounds, everything at a really, really good program. But he saw the light and he's like, okay, I can go somewhere else, have a chance to win a national title. That didn't appear like that was going to happen there. And, and man, uh, that's fallen off significantly with his departure. Michigan has struggled mightily. I thought it was pretty cool. I don't know if you were watching on Sunday or whenever it was. Uh, the Fab Five all came to whatever their last game was. I don't remember which night it was. But Ray, Jimmy, Jawan, Jalen, and Chris were all there, I think, for the first time. That was their first, first time, time back, yeah. I think that was their first time back. And uh, I, uh, that's my age, guys. I graduated the same year as those guys. Went to all the AAU tournaments. And they, were, they were unbelievable. And I don't know if you're never going to have anything like that anymore because there's been – Better recruiting classes since then. You look at Zion Williamson, Cam Reddish, and, and uh, uh, R.J. Barrett at Duke. Those three guys probably better than the Fab Five. But at that time, all because they weren't all McDonald's All Americans. Jimmy King and, and uh, Ray were close, but it they were just really good together. It was just one of those things that just clicked, and they were a cultural phenomenon. And, and, and it was, uh, and not to mention really really good like really good like didn't win a national title but we're right there twice back-to-back -back final fours yeah i look forward to to those opportunities and hopefully we'll have some in the future especially with some of the jayhawks that we've got currently playing in the nba where they get a little bit uh up in years and beyond uh their playing days to where they can all uh, make that type of uh a return back and that ovation, you know, whether it's a Wiggins and an NB together or, or get that full, um, you know, collaboration of that 2008 team to come back, eventually the 2022 team uh, to come back. And that'll be a great, uh, great type of, of celebration that we saw there that they had in Michigan. But I, I'm a fan too, man. I mean, I grew up, uh, you know, watching the Fab Five and cheering for them. And, you know, of course, I remember the, the baggy shorts and the bald heads a little bit more than and the timeout that was called. And, uh, and then, of course, no one liked Duke back then. And, and uh, you got a chance to see them beat up on Duke. I'll, I'll throw out the UNLV team uh, in the early 90s as being uh, one of those teams that I also grew up uh, watching it and liking. It. And I will put Freak. them in that same light. Uh, but but, hey, but hey, how about this? The, 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 the homer in me, you stack those dudes up against the 96 team uh, here at Kansas. And I think, uh, I think that's one of the best collaborations of, of college talent of all time. Uh, we, we all know the way the story ended, fell a little short 
against that. But uh, that's that's as good of a team as there, as there ever. Maybe maybe we maybe we can get them back. Can we can we get Rafe back? Can we get him off the tractor up in Iowa? Can we get Jock to you know he's going to be coaching a long time in the NBA? I might be a little bit doing, tough, you know, to get him back. Yep. That's a good trivia question. I've used this a bunch. 1997 was the last team to have four NBA players on their team that played a minimum of 10 years in the NBA. And that's not that is that the last Kansas team or team ever? Ever. Yeesh. Yeesh. And before that, you got to go back to the early 80s, North Carolina. It doesn't happen very often, obviously. Yeah. Hey, and Ryan, Robert, Ryan Robertson was on that team too, and he had a nice little little career in the league. What was he on that team? Uh, on ninety six, was he a freshman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But 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 think about that. I mean, yes, Ryan had a you know, uh, and he'll tell you we'll have Ryan on. So he played one year in the NBA. Those guys played ten. Jock, Rafe, Paul, and Scott Pollard. Who I do want to make a shout out right now to our shout to out, our big shout out, and brother. Scott Pollard is, is having a really, really tough time health-wise, and, and there's been some articles written over the last couple of weeks, and he's he's in need of a heart uh, heart transplant, and it's a tough deal. It's a family history deal that, uh, you know, he, he lost his dad at a young age. And he's dealing with that right now, and obviously he's a, he's a large person, and, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's tough, and, you know, it, it, look it up because you Look throughout the internet. There's articles about it, and he's he's not asking for anything. He's not asking for for money, or he, he just he's just told his story. And it's uh, you know he I hosted him on his recruiting trip. One of my best friends, teammates for two years, and you know him as well as anybody as well. I mean, he's just an icon here at, at University of Kansas, and a 12 year NBA vet, and great family, and uh, it's just a, a sad deal that can that win. It uh, happens that he gets a new heart. I think he'll be fine, but that's a that's a that's a tough sled right now. Yeah, yeah. Big shout out to Big Scott, man. Get well soon. Hopefully, he'll get that heart found out. Get the ticker in there. Get get going. Get you back in the field house, bud. That's right. But yeah, let's get let's use that. We'll get Scott healthy, Rafe, Paul, Jock, Ryan Robertson, uh, Billy Thomas. Uh, Jared Haas, great team. I was at that. That was one of the. I've been a part of some some uh, uh, really difficult endings to seasons as a player, as a broadcaster, as a fan. In 1997, Birmingham, Alabama, was one of the the lowest because that was. I think they ended up 34 and two. That was their second loss. Oh, why would you bring that up? What are you talking? Well, I, I was talking about the great college teams of all time. I was trying to give you your flowers, and then you go to this deep, dark place of, of loathing and disappointment, man. Come on, we're good. We're good. As we, uh, you know, talk a little bit about the league, you know, we're not quite a quarter of the way through. Everyone's paid about four games. Uh, Kansas is at the top, along with others. Obviously, it's uh, uh, I uh, uh, we got Kansas, Texas Tech. Uh, who else we got? I'm just, I took a picture of the standings. What did I do with that? Uh, uh, Baylor dropped one at K State the other night. So we got Kansas, Baylor, Tech, and K State. You know, didn't know really what to expect losing Noel, losing Tomlin. 
losing Keontae Johnson, and uh, they're right there at three and one. Got a big win against UCF, and they got a massive win the other night at home. Yeah, uh, down five with a minute to go, and they come back and win it in overtime. And so, uh, not rooting for them by any means, but uh, impressive nonetheless. And so they're right there. Houston, I watched them last night. And have you ever have you watched Shed play Jamal Shed? Yeah, I watched them get clipped though that night in uh, in Ames when they were having struggle making a shot and they they muddy things up and like and look as as kind of as we thought you got to have your head on a swivel the entirety of the league there are no gimmies all right they're, they're, again we talked about um, kind of to the Jayhawks detriment earlier about coming in casual like if you have any air of that about you you will get beat in this league uh, and so. You know, to me, and we, we talked a little bit, hey, we want to talk some sleepers. On, there are no sleepers, okay? There are no sleepers. Uh, you know, there are teams right now that started out, you know, one and three uh, that could go on an eight, nine game tear and find themselves up towards the top of the pack and be as dangerous uh, late in February as, uh, as any team in the country. And so just as, as I surveyed the league and even as I looked at the schedule, my gosh, there, there, there's no gimmies. Like, I expect every game to be uh, a knife fight and uh and i got that sentiment even the way we started out our, our conference opener against tcu and we haven't even had a chance to talk about that but on unreal the the stretch of uh conference opening wins uh that we have that that doesn't get highlighted nearly enough um but the, but thankfully it, it usually results itself in a a conference championship but but yeah you you gotta have your head on a swivel uh this year and uh, especially with some of these new teams that are coming in trying to make a statement, um, you know, you know that that win that Cincinnati had the other night, uh, do these things mean something, you know, to these folks, you know, coming in? We've been casual and had our feet kicked up, you know, for years uh, in the driver's seat of this conference, the Big Twelve. But man, these new teams, man, they, they they're hungry, they're appreciative to be here, and uh, and they certainly want to make their mark early on. And everyone in the league wants to make their mark against Kansas. And in looking at the standings, we haven't played Baylor. We played them twice. We haven't played Texas Tech. We played them twice. We haven't played Kansas State, and we played them twice. So the other three teams that are both three and one, we've got six games against them. Oh, and by the way, Houston at two and two, we play them twice. So you look at the way that the schedule is somewhat unbalanced. Not somewhat. It is unbalanced because we only play UCF once. We only play Cincinnati once. We only play BYU once. But the teams we play twice are some of the best teams in the league, including Oklahoma. We'll go, we have to still have to go to Norman. We don't have to go to Texas. We don't have to go to uh, Fort Worth. But uh, we have not played the top tier yet, and we're 3-1. Yeah. Schedule and is what it is. Hey, and when it comes to scheduling, from now on, I expect us to have the hardest schedule every single year. Um, you know, we have a commissioner who's, um, you know, doing his darndest to make uh, the Big 12 the, the, all caps, the established basketball conference in the country. And one of the ways you do that is to show off your marquee matchups each and every night. So guess what? I, I mean, I expect every year in and out to play a Baylor twice, to play Arizona twice, to play Houston twice, because you got to highlight your best products. You know, you got to sell your best products. And so... Um, I, I don't anticipate uh, any uh, any any open vacancies when it comes to scheduling when we're not having to to go against a big time matchup. 
how about the last week's top or this week's top 25 poll? Eight. Eight teams. I did that wrong. I did three. All that. All those digits there. Eight teams from the Big 12 in the top 25. The next closest, four. So this is the best conference. We've said it many, many times. Right before COVID, Texas Tech is a jump shot away from winning a national championship. They lose to Virginia. 2020, we're the best team in the country. Baylor's right there with us. The following year, Baylor wins it. COVID cut the previous year off. Following year, Kansas wins it. So you look at that four-year span, obviously struggled last year, but you still had Kansas State and Texas in the Elite Eight. Uh, so it's the preeminent conference when you talk about basketball in the country over the last five Ooh, years. Nice word there, preeminent. I like that. Well played. You see, I kind of said it slower, so I preeminent. Yeah. Did you say, say that so you could say it better so that I can understand it? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, as you look at the schedule or you look at this league, you know, down at the bottom is Oklahoma State, and they're going to probably, unfortunately, be at the bottom. They, they just got – they got three McDonald's All-Americans on their team, but they just don't really – they don't have much flow, and I, I witnessed this. They don't guard. They got to guard somebody. My, they guard. didn't get three consecutive stops, not once. On, on Tuesday, and they were down the whole game at home. I mean, if you want to have a chance, you got to be able to stop some people, but we'll, we'll, we'll quit piling on the Cowboys there. But you, Yeah, and then West Virginia at one and three. Uh, we're going to find out tomorrow. We play, we'll be in Morgantown and, and taking on the Mountaineers. Tough place to play. Uh, they had a lot of, a lot of juice in the offseason until Bob Huggins, uh, unfortunately, had to, had to step down. And they, they had a great transfer class. Kirk Carissa, Edwards. Then they got the reprieve by the NCAA. They had a couple guys that have transferred twice, and they got that injunction or whatever it was to where they could become immediately eligible because they kept getting denied. So they had a lot of stuff going on up there, and they haven't quite got there. But even though they're one and three, what's the worst thing to, to mess with? A wounded dog. And they're a wounded dog right now. And they're going to get healthier. And this is a stretch. If we want to win the Big 12, we've already got our bogey. we got to keep making birdies on the road. You, you drop one that you shouldn't have against UCF. You have a 16-point lead, and you just let it go, slip away. Great. They proved that they're better than we thought. Beat Texas the other night. But as you look at the bottom of the conference, and you got Texas at UCF, and then a host of teams at 2-2. Two and two. So early on, everyone's close. But uh, – uh, a lot, a lot of basketball left, and really, it's going to happen pretty quick. I mean, we're we got less than two months of the regular season left. It's going to go by fast before you know it. We're going to be in March. Or as we walk around our hallways here, there's construction everywhere, and when the season's over, there's going to be even more construction. So everywhere you go, in Kansas athletics, something's getting better. Well, a couple of things. Think about these early first four games that you talked about. Uh, the gauntlet that's left for us. A couple things are really, really apparent. Against TCU, which we squeaked out, um, and against the loss against UCF, 18 turnovers, both of those games, right? Two signature wins that we just had here recently, one of them being on the road in a tough environment and against a top 10 opponent, we took care of the basketball, right? I mean, 
Have you ever? I mean, it's it's a, it's a record. So no, you haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. But man, take, taking care of the ball the way we did against OU, and then look, eleven turnovers in Stillwater. That's as impressive uh, as that. Had we not got two turnovers only the game before, we would be really highlighting the only eleven turnovers that took place on the road there. And so. I think and I don't want to is, blame the guys at the end. About three of those were late in the game when it was it was over earlier than that. Yeah. But eleven was on the high side. So yes, I I agree. And taking care of the basketball on the road is paramount. You have to do it. And we have back to back eighteen turnover games. And again, Bill Bill took credit for one of the turnovers against Oklahoma. Did you hear that story? He, no, I didn't. Screaming at KJ, he's like, "Get on the post." And so KJ takes off running on the post, and Kevin pitches it ahead to KJ, but he wasn't looking, and Bill caught it, and he goes, "That's because I hate it when players go when they yeah. have a turnover. It's my fault." We're like, yeah. "Listen, dude, we know it's your fault. You don't need to tell us it's your fault. Just don't do it again." Yeah. But anyway, Coach he took credit one. for that. So it was really, it was really one. Yeah. No, and that's great. So I mean, look, teams around the league should be taking note of that. That if you want to have one of the best chances of uh, of beating us. You're going to have to heat us up uh, somehow, get up under us, um, and try to force turnovers. Um, you know, whether it's with a you know junk defense or you know we know West Virginia. What do they do historically? They press and they foul, and they're going to foul and maul you as much as they can because look, the officials can only—they're not going to call everything. They're only going to call you know what they can call, and and then you know allow the flow of the game to play out there. And so uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see that trend from our league opponents of trying to pick up the defensive intensity to try to force us into turn the ball over at a high clip, which we've been susceptible of doing in those first two games. Uh, but it's going to come down to, can, can we handle that pressure and uh, take care of the basketball? And a lot of it's going to fall on Dewan, and, and I think Dewan will be the first one to tell you that he hasn't played like the old Dewan. I, I think he's been great, but he hasn't been elite like we've seen him. His float game's just off a little bit. He's turning the ball over a little bit more. Now, I'm not complaining. Don't want anyone else out there. Don't take it the wrong way. It's just we've seen such a level of point guard play out of him, and it's probably come back to the pack a little bit. Not going to put somebody else in there, like I said, but, you know, Kansas fans, Kansas insiders like us, we know how good this team can be. We already talked about how Furphy's added something to the core four that you're like all right and other teams are probably not not pissed they're they're upset with us because we think well we got to have five we got to have five superstars right doesn't doesn't everybody have five superstars no just you kansas just you so uh but we're excited about furphy i think we're i'm excited about dewan continuing to to improve from a substandard uh, start to his year, which again, I think he'll admit, uh, it's not saying anything out of turn, but, uh, we're greedy. Like you're greedy. I'm greedy. Bill's greedy. We want better, right? But we're 15 and two. So I don't know. I'm excited. Yeah. 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 We're exciting. And, and, uh, had another exciting moment, um, a week ago in the field house. Kansas women's basketball got the big upset over at the time number three ranked Baylor Bears uh, first win against them in Brandon Snyder's uh, coaching error and it was a signature win they were looking for that they needed uh, that they were laboring for and uh, all the potential 
uh, and the pieces that we know they've had and shown uh, last year and even this year finally came together. Uh, Tiana Jackson was dominant. She stayed out of foul trouble, stayed on the court. Holly Kurskeeter was great. Uh, Samaya Nichols, five-star freshman, uh, had an impressive, impressive fourth quarter in building on that and the, their second win in a row uh, against Oklahoma State. Uh, tough stretch of the schedule for them as they then went on down uh, to Austin, Texas against uh, the number one team in the conference picked to win the Big 12 uh, against uh, Texas Longhorns, took one on the chin there, and then they're going to be on the road against K-State uh, coming up here, who's got out of uh, the gate hot as well. But uh, nice to see them get a signature win, and hopefully it's something that they can build on as they get into the dog days of uh, conference play. Yeah, and always need to give a football update, you know, a little bit of What's the word of my trepidation, a uh, little nervousness amongst the, the KU faithful that the runner up in the national championship game, when Nick Saban retired, decided to go to Alabama, which opened up a spot at a, at a really good program, obviously. And the coach of Carousel. And our guy was mentioned, which is flattering. Good I'd rather that. not be flattered yeah. at him not even be asked, but, but obviously. There was a couple of days there where people were like, well, oh. and uh, and we brought up the guy that actually got the job a couple of podcasts ago that our former administration, when interviewing coaches, couldn't remember this cat's name. But now he wins a big bowl game at Arizona, turns that into a, a big time job at Washington. Jed Fish took the job. So KU. Jayhawk football fans can relax. Uh, there's probably one more bullet to dodge. I would guess it seems like Jim Harbaugh, which is crazy to a lot of people to think that you just won the national championship and you're going to leave. Now, there's a lot of other factors going on that I'm sure will be discussed by their people, but for our purposes, as Jim Harbaugh makes a decision to stay or go, you know, we'll see what that coaching carousel looks like. It's a domino, domino effect, and uh, 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 we'll just sit back and watch. Yeah, yeah. Hey, good, good problems to have, right? Good problems to have because we've had plenty of years of Kansas football where you know our head coach had been mentioned as. Uh, a coveted prospect for one of the top jobs in the country. Personally, I think that Washington is certainly uh, closer to their ceiling than we are to ours. And uh, we got a lot more uh, room to grow and, and a higher trajectory as, as uh, you know, things seemingly are opening up in the conference with an easier road to potentially get to uh, the CFP. Uh, but hey, you know. Yeah, because it's getting to a point where it's getting to a point where money isn't the driver. Like, yeah. If 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 he was making a million five and they offered eight and we said we're gonna offer two, I get it. But that's the great job by Travis Goff and his his uh, uh, cabinet to to keep our coaches here at the rate that they're here, where you can sell the fact that hey, we got a good thing going here. We're getting ready to go into a True. new league, so to speak. That there's no longer a fight for the middle. It's a fight for the top. And uh, we're going to be mentioned in that top three or four in the Big 12 next year with 
all the weapons we got coming back, not to mention all the excitement around the stadium, all the excitement around just this entire athletic department. So I think that helps a great deal in the decision-making process for our, our coaches to stay. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You mentioned the stadium. Stadium's all the way down, at least the, the, the renovation there. My boys were sledding down the Campanile Hill and watching the final remnants of the west side of that stadium drop down. Pretty special moment uh, that they had there. They thought that, that was pretty cool. And, uh, Is there any matter- video of you sledding? Ah, nah, nah, nah. No, no, no video. No video there. Um, did you sled? I did not sled. I did not sled. Yeah. They got each other. I was in the car, nice and warm, waving, sip of coffee, listening to uh You didn't get out of the car? No, nah, 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 we don't we don't need, we don't need that. I'm, I'm past that, man. I'm past that. Uh but no, it was a pretty pretty cool moment there and it'll be great to be able to see uh that awesome new facility uh start to to, to be built from the ground up. And uh, we're also gonna be rolling out some new premium products here. Uh, very, very soon. Um, got a couple more suites to get sold, uh, and then we get a chance to get the club seats and low seats and all type of new offerings that we're going to have there. And so you and I will be busy uh, coming up this spring, just like that construction crew will. And so hopefully we'll get a chance to engage with a lot of the Jayhawk faithful as they're going to be out visiting the preview center uh, so that we can take advantage of some of these uh, brand new elite premium areas uh, that we're going to be building and adding to David Bootkin's Memorial Stadium. Yeah, to Wayne's point, 18 new premium areas. Suites down the club, down to field level. Picture a craft and draft like at Kaufman Stadium. Yeah, North Patio. I kind of feel like I might be a North Patio kind of guy, man. I like that craft and draft spot they got at, at, uh, at Kaufman Stadium. You, you, might, you might find me posted up there. So give us a call, give Wayne a call, give me a call, call the Williams Fund. We'll host you over at the Preview Center, beautiful facility that we built over there that has a big movie theater and it shows you all these pretty pictures and videos. And it, it's really cool. You and I have sat through that probably 20 times in the last, in the last month. And I can almost uh, recite that verbatim with no teleprompter, but it's, uh, it's really cool. And it's finally here. You and I have been around a long time. And we've heard all the noise. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. And we don't. And we don't. Finally doing it. I just drove by it earlier today, took a video, sent it to some of my buddies that live out of state. And they're like, man, that's down. And there's dump trucks driving down Michigan. Michigan. Keep them rolling. Rolling. Two at a time, five at a time. And uh, getting that rubble out, getting some new stuff in is going to be cool. Uh, but big week. as. Kansas basketball heads back on the road to Morgantown. I'm getting on a plane here in about three hours to hit my favorite uh, urban bar on the road, the Marriott Waterfront, Morgantown, West Virginia. Get back, 48-hour turnaround, playing Cincinnati. Our first look at Cincinnati with former Roy Williams player, Wes Miller, as the coach. So it'll be uh, there. You know, they're 2-2, two and two, but they're 13-4. They're and four. You know, we, we, we look at them as a, as a bottom feeder. They're, they're 13 and four, two and two. And they got good basketball history. They got a really good basketball history. Matter of fact, my favorite non-KU college player of all time. I know the answer. Danny Forson. 
<laughs> no, swing and a miss, but they they King did part of the power for Kenyon Martin. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, Kenyon Martin. My third would have been Nick Van Exel. Okay, I thought you were going to go Oscar Robinson and kind of keep the big guy theme, post player theme. Young but, for Oscar. Well, uh, I'm too young for Oscar, but yes. Yeah, no, no, Nick, 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 Nick Van Exel was awesome. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, Damar Johnson was Bob a great Huggins. one, but not. Ken, Ken Bob Martin. Had a when, Bobby Huggins, when Bobby Huggins was there, had them rolling. He was my, my favorite all-time like KU player. I just kind of thought Danny Fortson, you guys kind of had similar bodies, similar play, kind of a banger, kind of a – no? That's fair. No, that's fair. Sure. That's it. Yeah, Cincinnati in the blowover, man. This is I'm excited for them to to, to get settled in the conference and, and and be be a formidable opponent year in and year out. And West Miller's a great coach. Yeah, yeah. So doesn't get any easier. And that again is not at the it's not Baylor, Houston, you know, Texas Tech yet. So uh, obviously we know this league. This league's going to be a bear. Uh, uh, and uh, we saw that in Orlando. We're going to see it in Morgantown. This. Uh, 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 this Saturday, so uh, excited! It's fun. It's a great time. It's busy. A couple nights out, home games. Love it, right? What else are we gonna do? Yeah, that's it. We're in it. Let's do it. Got a new sponsor here on the Jacker Podcast, Xfinity. Brought to you by the Next Generation 10G Network. Only from Xfinity, the future starts now. Black and Veatch, another great sponsor of ours, along with the University of Kansas Health System. So extremely fortunate to talk ball and KU athletics every week. Wayne Simeon, Greg Gurley, Rock Chalk. <laughs>